Welcome to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino. Just a reminder to our audience that for season three, we are recording everything during social distance time, so the audio might sound a little bit different. Today, my guest is Dr. Brittany Southern. She is a lab animal veterinarian. And Dr. Southern, we're so excited to have you because we need to talk about what lab animal medicine is. Welcome to the show. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So we always like to start with how did your path to vet med go? So usually I like to start with undergrad. So can you tell me where you got your undergraduate degree? What was it in? And then what were the next steps in your training? Yeah, so I went, I'm from North Carolina. So for undergrad, I went to the University of North Carolina. Um, and UNC actually did not have a pre-veterinary track. Um, so I ended up picking a topic that I liked. So I picked psychology because I loved psychology in high school. I knew I wanted to be a vet and I knew I was going to have to get those pre-vet courses in. Um, so I picked psychology as my major um, and I made sure to get all of those sciences in on the side. Um, and then when I finished undergrad, I ended up still having a few sciences that I needed to do. Um, and so I kind of was given the opportunity to finish those sciences and do some veterinary work. And so I ended up staying at UNC and I worked there um, for almost a year. And I actually worked with their lab animal department. Um, and it was one of those scenarios where you just Google animal work um, on campus and that's what popped up and I just wanted to find an animal job um, and it worked out well. So I was able to work with veterinarians and at the time I had no idea what lab animal was. Um, and so when I got there, I learned a lot. Um, I ended up falling in love with it. I was working with a resident and she took me under her wing um, she got me involved with her research project, and I made some great connections with the lab animal vets that were there. Um, and then at the time, after I finished my sciences, I went ahead and applied to vet schools. Um, and that process was interesting. Um, applying to vet school definitely takes a lot of work and dedication, and it's important to visit schools, I would say, um, to figure out where you want to go, where you're going to fit in well. And for me, I visited a few schools. And when I visited Tuskegee, I fell in love and I knew that's the only place I wanted to go. Um, but I had a great four years, I loved it. I made some amazing friends. I met my husband. Um, and so we, I had a great time in vet school. I learned a lot. Um, and I knew that I wanted to learn more about lab animal medicine while I was in school. And thankfully Tuskegee does a great job at um, exposing students to different fields in veterinary medicine and so I got a lot of um, feedback about lab animal medicine and I met a lot of lab animal vets and I did a lot on my own to learn more um, and so I spent my summers in lab animal facilities um, I even did a research project one summer and so I, I you know I, I knew I wanted to do lab animal um, I didn't completely close myself in a box. You know, I was still open to 
hearing about the other fields in veterinary medicine, um, but I knew that that was my interest. And so I, I did try to spend my free time focused in um, and getting opportunities in that specialty. And then when I got to my fourth year of vet school, I said, yes, this is what I wanna do. I wanna specialize, let me apply for you know lab animal training. Um, and I was heartbroken because I didn't get a position. Um, and so then I kind of had to go to plan B and figure out what to do next. And thankfully, I, one of my experiences during fourth year was at a specialty hospital in Houston, Texas. Um, and they actually reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to do a small animal rotating internship? Um, and so I said, absolutely, I want to do more training and, you know, it's not in lab animal, but I want to get more experience and this will be a great next step in my career. And so I did that. So I, I did a rotating small animal internship. Um, and then, surprise, surprise, during my internship, I ended up falling in love with emergency medicine. And so, you know, in the back of my head, I said, I, I still want to do lab animal. But at the time, you know, I, I really enjoyed working in emergency. I enjoyed working with sick animals and making them better and working with the clients. Um, and so that's what I did. I spent the next two years actually working in small animal emergency. Um, and I did a little bit of side gigs as well. And so I worked in a general practice for a little bit. And then I got to a point where I was tired. Uh, working in emergencies requires a lot of hours or you work a lot of holidays and nights. Um, and so I started to get burnt out. Um, and so then I was ready. I was really ready to go back to lab animal. Um, and so at that point I applied um, and lab animal is special because it is one of those specialties in veterinary medicine that does not require you to have an internship. So in veterinary medicine, there's lots of different fields, just like in human medicine, you have medicine, surgery, dermatology, a lot of those clinical fields, you have to have an internship before you do a residency. Lab animal, you don't. Um, I did, you know, I had that clinical experience. And so I think that helped me a little bit because it, it gave me an edge up. Um, and so I was able to secure a residency. Um, and I went, ended up going back to North Carolina. I'm here in Florida because of my husband. Um, and so coming out here, I've tried to, of course, tried to find a job in my field within lab animal medicine. Um, and at the time, I was able to secure a job that it's not a clinical job, but it's a job where I'm helping with the regulatory oversight. So I'm still getting to work with researchers and people that are involved with lab animal. And so that's what I'm doing now. Did you feel like it's ironic that you were a psych <laughs> major, but you also love lab animal medicine? Because to me, when I think psych majors, I think lab animals because we yeah. do a of behavior analysis on animals and uh, we, we're just always involved with with lab animals so I think that's interesting that those two ended up coming together full circle. I agree it is really interesting because there are a ton of researchers who do behavioral studies and they you know they study how the brain works and how um, people think about things and depression and addiction and things like that so it is interesting I've never thought about it that way but it absolutely is. Okay, so go ahead and break down what does lab animal medicine even mean? How is it different from general practice? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So labinal medicine is very different than general practice. So when I tell people I'm a veterinarian, I tell them that my responsibility is to take care of animals that are used in research. Um, because we know that animal research occurs and people have differing opinions about it. You know, some people support it, some people do not. Um, but at this moment in time, we still need animals in research. And my job as a lab animal vet is to protect those animals. So while they are used in research, while they're used on studies, my job is to make sure they have the best life possible. Um, and in addition to that, I get to help educate people on why it's important to protect these animals. You know, scientists, they, they're worried about their science, which is what they should do. You know, they are changing the world. They're making new medications and um, solving different mysteries. And so that's what they're focused on. And so my job is to remind them that, hey, this is an animal, we still have to take care of it. And it's important for this animal to remain healthy because if it's unhealthy, that could affect your science and it could actually affect your study and the results that you're looking for. Um, and so there are national regulations when it comes to protecting animals. And so my job is to be familiar with those regulations and know when, what rule applies to what. Um, you know, we don't expect the researchers to know that. And so that's something that's really key for us. And so that is kind of one hat that I'll put on throughout the day. Um, you know, my regulatory hat where I have to know, you know, okay, you're working with the rabbit, what pertains to a rabbit, you know, what national rules apply. Um, and then I also get to take off my regulatory hat and I can just be a clinician. So I can be that veterinarian that you think of. And so if I have a sick dog or a sick cat or a sick mouse or pig, um, I get to take care of that animal. Obviously, as I explained with my background, I enjoy clinical medicine. Um, and so I'm still able to do that with working with mice and rabbits and birds and horses and cows and every species. Um, so I still get to do that. And then I get to work with a ton of species because literally any animal you could think of, people are using them for research. Um, and so I love that part about it. You know, every day is different. Um, I love working with mice and rodents and, you know, we get attached to our animals just like people get attached to their pets. And so the people that I work with are amazing. Um, you know, the technicians, they love their animals and my colleagues love, love the animals that we work with and we get attached to them as well. And so our job is to provide them the best life that they can every day. I was going to ask you, but you, you kind of told us what kind of animals you work with. And unfortunately, I'm embarrassed to say that when I think lab animal, I often think rats and rodents. So that's so cool that lab animal means you can work with all kinds of species and you have to know a lot about everything. Do we feel like students who are interested in lab animal can go anywhere and get the exposure in some way through research or externships? I would say absolutely. I think you should go wherever, you should go to the vet school that's going to make you feel comfortable. And it is always good to think about exposure. And I would hope that most veterinary schools are teaching students and able to expose them to a variety of fields. Um, I know that a lot of people think veterinary medicine is just dog and cat medicine or horse and cow and goats and sheep medicine and it but it's not there's so much more that you can do i mean you don't even have to touch an animal to be a veterinarian 
So there's a, a lot of things that you can do in vet med. And I think if you're a student who says, you know, I like exotics, you know, where can I go to do exotics? I mean, you can go anywhere. Um, and you'll have somebody in exotics there and that person, you know, can be your mentor and you can ask them, where should I go to get more exotic experience? Or, you know, if I can't do that here, what are some good places to go? Um, and so really making connections and finding a mentor, finding somebody that you can hold on to is so, so important and so key. We've alluded to lab animal medicine is important, right? Because we need animals to answer some scientific problems. Can you give me a couple of broad examples of when using animals have helped, using animals in research have helped humans? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that probably most people know someone that has diabetes or they have diabetes themselves and animals were absolutely used to help treat diabetes. So come up with some of the diagnostics, come up with some of the treatments, you know, people, a lot of people take insulin. Those were tested on animals. The FDA actually requires that any sort of new medication or um, tool that's gonna be used on a human, it has to be tested in an animal first. Um, for many reasons, you know, it's not ethical for us to test a new drug in a, in a person because who knows what could happen. Um, and so we use animals in order to protect people. And, and again, you know, we love animals and we know that we need to take care of the animals when we're doing it. Um, and it, there are very thin lines. And again, that's why we have these national rules that we have to abide by. Um, but in order to protect people, it is important, you know, the FDA, they say, you know, we need to start with, you know, if you have a new drug you want to produce, let's start with the mouse or a rat, see how it works in that species. And then, you know, we could step it up to a higher order species, you know, a larger species that might be a little bit more similar to humans. So we would assume that animals will be involved in COVID research, right? Absolutely. So we, yeah, COVID research is going crazy around the country right now. So people are have been doing lots of COVID research over the past couple of months and they're using a variety of species. Um, and so absolutely, if you see on the news, people talk about a vaccine that they're working on, they're absolutely using animals. Um, and that's a great example because this is, you know, it's happening live to us now. And so we're experiencing, experiencing it. And yes, animals are absolutely being used um, and they're being cared for appropriately. Again, you know, that's the job of the lab animal vet. For folks who are very much, and you've been, you've been alluding to this, but for people who are like, no research should be done on animals, their number one priority is animal health and welfare and animal rights, right? So how do we market research on animals for even the people who are like, I don't really care if people do well. I care more about the animals. What do we say to help people really understand why we have to do this? Yeah, it's a very hard question. And it, you know, I try really hard to respect everyone's ideas. And there are groups of people who believe that animals should not be used in research. And I, I totally understand that. Um, and there are are people who, who just don't agree with it, and that's fine. Um, but I try to give examples to those people. So, you know, I have had conversations with individuals who are not on board and, and 
the big thing is to keep it positive and to and remember to respect each other's opinions. But I think primarily giving examples of saying, hey, have you ever taken aspirin? Have you ever taken, you know, do you have someone in your family that's sick? Or do you know someone that, have you ever had to go to the hospital? <laughs> you know, just kind of basic examples. Um, and I think that people can take that and say, yes, there is a benefit from it. And so it, it's just kind of the balance because you can't change everybody's mind. And, and I think trying to find middle ground um, and again, respecting everyone's opinion. This is just good life advice in general to not, I mean, there's so many things we can take away from professional development, leadership and communication from that example. So one, empathizing with things that people can really relate to. So have you used aspirin? Have you been to the hospital? Like getting on, getting on a similar level, similar playing field with your audience. Two, being respectful of everybody's opinion. Three, being realistic that we can't, we can't change some people's minds. And that's not our job. Um, our job is client education and communication. So if you guys are going to go be a general practitioner and you offer best case scenario for this pet and it's very, very expensive, and the client is saying, what, why is it that expensive, da, 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 then it's your guys' job to calm down, be respectful, get on their level, explain it to them in a way they can understand, and then allow them to make their choice and not try to, not get upset if you can't sway their opinion. So we can use that in all of our professional lives, for sure. It sounds like, and it sounds like in all veterinary medicine, there's no such thing as a typical day, but what could a student expect if they become a lab animal veterinarian? What could their day look like? Every day will be so very, very different. Um, you'll probably start your day with your staff doing some sort of rounds in the morning. Um, and rounds just means that you, you know, review any sick cases that you might have from the day before or any procedures that you might have. Um, and you'll work very closely with your team and your team might be yourself as the vet, um, your veterinary technicians. They might include your animal care technicians so the husbandry technicians. Um, you might have other staff, you know, administrative staff be involved in that as well. Um, but again, it comes back to communication. So you'll have some sort of rounds in the morning where you communicate and kind of make your plan for the day. Um, and then after that, you might go throughout the day with any cases that pop up. So let's say you work in a facility with mice and rats and rabbits and dogs, you know, you might have a husbandry technician come to you and say, hey, I have this rabbit and it's, you know, and he's squinting a little bit with its, with its eye, can you take a look at it? And so you might go to that room and look at your rabbit and do your physical exam. You might have one of your veterinary technicians help you. You may decide you want to do some diagnostics on that rabbit's eyes and um, and again as a veterinarian you're expected to play so many different roles so you're an ophthalmologist as well and so you do an eye exam um, and then you'll need to contact that rabbit's client or owner and so as a lab animal vet your clients are not the pet owners you know as if you're comparing it to a general practitioner our clients are the scientists and these investigators doing their research um, and so i would call that rabbit's investigator the scientist is working with that rabbit and i'd say hey you know this rabbit looks to be a little bit uncomfortable you know is it okay if we do some diagnostics uh, let's chat about your plan for this rabbit you know what are you you know 
we would talk about, you know, what they're using the rabbit for and if I think that it needs some pain medications, is that going to affect your research? Um, so let's chat about that. So again, constant communications with the client, figuring out what's best for the rabbit, wanting, you know, to keep the rabbit out of pain or discomfort. And then again, working with the research researcher to say, hey, is it okay for me to give these medications? Um, so you might have something like that pop up. Um, and then if you're working in academia, you might be working with students. So you might have some students with you, you might have some residents with you. And so you have opportunity to teach them. You might have some didactic courses where you're you know, doing active teaching and listening. Um, and then if, again, if you're in academia, you might be doing research yourself. You know, some lab animal vets do do their own research and have their own projects, or they might be helping a resident with the project. Um, so you might spend part of your day working on that. Um, and then, of course, we have the regulatory side of lab animal medicine. So we have an animal care and use committee. So there's a committee that provides oversight for the institution. Um, and so we do a lot with that committee. And so we'll actually be a part of the process for reviewing new ideas. So if, a, if a, an investigator has a new idea for doing COVID research, for example, they'll submit what we call a protocol. And that protocol has to be reviewed by a group of people. Um, and so we'll be involved with that. Um, we also visit different animal facilities. So every single facility on campus that uses animals for research, we visit twice a year and we go there in person um, just to check on everybody and see how things are going. And, and that's also another opportunity for us to connect with the investigators, talk to them, see how things are going, if they have any concerns. Um, and we get to see their facilities. And so we're able to check and make sure things are up to par. sounds awesome. There's like a lot of really great opportunities for professional development, varying your day. You have a, like a lot of variety. Um, I think it sounds like it takes a very, I don't want to say a specific personality, but it, it takes a, a student who, and a veterinarian who really understands a lot about not only clinical medicine, but like you said, like regulation, policy, procedure, your clients aren't rare human scientists. So that has to be a whole nother level of communication. So Dr. Southern, could you describe in three words, personality characteristics that would be very helpful to have to be a lab animal veterinarian? Ooh, that's a good question. Excellent communication skills. I mean, that is key for sure. That's crazy because I think a lot of people probably hear lab animal vet and they think you're just in a lab like with a microscope because people still don't understand what research is. So that is crazy. Yeah. I mean, everything we do comes down to communication. It really does. And it's, it's a great field to develop that skill because not everybody knows how to you know, have effective communication skills. And you might learn some of it in vet school, um, but really it's when you go out and, and practice and that's how you learn to communicate with your clients and your team because as a veterinarian you're immediately a leader so you have to know how to communicate with your staff you have to be able to you have to be able to give instructions but in a respectful positive way you know in order to be a leader you have to be a servant at the same time so 
I think you absolutely have to be able to communicate effectively. Being a servant leader would be one phrase. Um, the second phrase I think would be being flexible because things change. Um, and you know, you might have good days, you might have bad days, but I think being able to, you know, if an emergency happens, you have to be able to say, okay, let me put this down and go handle this emergency. So it's key, it's very important to be flexible. I think being able to work as a team, um, and that kind of goes back with leadership and having good communication, but again, it's key because you need a team in order to function as a veterinarian and especially a lab animal veterinarian because there, you know, you might have hundreds of animals and as a, a vet, you're only one person, you know, you rely on other people to be your eyes and ears. And of course you do go in, you get to go in there and see the animals as well, but you're nothing without your team. Wow. You know, what's so crazy. So you said communication, flexibility, and teamwork which literally could go for any field of veterinary medicine, but those qualities look different in every field of veterinary medicine. They do. So like when students approach the essay questions and the essay questions ask like, talk about your strengths and your areas of improvement, every student in a, in a class of 124 could choose the same words, but could describe them so differently based on their experiences in the field. So pumped about lab animal medicine. We always ask our guests to provide the pre-vets with advice. So what advice do you have for pre-vet students who are either, you know, freshmen in college or getting ready to apply, or maybe they're 45 years old and switching their career? What's your advice? I would say don't get discouraged. Um, I think it's very easy to get discouraged. You know, veterinary medicine, there's only so many vet schools in the country. And there's a ton of people that want to be a veterinarian. Um, so I would say work hard, be well-rounded. So find things that interest you um, and then find an outlet, you know, find something that's going to keep you sane because vet school is really hard and you're going to need some sort of outlet, something that you enjoy doing. If you enjoy reading, if you enjoy, you know, working out, find something. Um, and keep yourself balanced because on days that you know you might feel like hey i can't do this you can just you need someone you know to encourage you so you can if you can find somebody you know a family member or a spouse or a friend um, that can remind you on those bad days that it will get better you can do this that's super super important I am very excited about the future of lab animal medicine, and especially because of One Health, zoonoses, where we are in the country right now. So Dr. Southern, thank you so much for introducing the podcast to this field of vet med. This is our first time we've talked about it. So I really have enjoyed our discussion today. I've enjoyed it as well. And thank you so much for having me. And I'm, I'm here if you have other questions or if your students have questions. I. I'm so passionate about this field. I love what I do. I can't imagine myself doing anything else. And so I get super pumped when I hear that students are interested because I want to just bring them in and show them what we do and help get them, you know, to the door so they can be introduced to it and see what we do and enjoy it. You heard it here first, students. One more amazing part of this amazing field. <laughs>
<laughs> I'm Alex Avellino and we'll talk to you soon.